Welcome everyone to the Food and Movies podcast. This is Food and Movies, where we investigate the intersection between food and movies. This is episode one. We are doing the movie The Queen, in tribute actually to The Queen, who has recently passed. God save her. Yeah. Welcome, Jeremy. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, considering the circumstances. Yeah. You're uh, you're you're hurt by this. This one. This one kind of hit you hard. It really came out of left field, I must say. I took the queen queen for granted, frankly. You know, she she really was that steady mothering figure that I didn't really know she was in my life. It, it took me by surprise. How about yourself? No, didn't take me by <laughs> surprise. She's in her nineties. That's what they do. Uh, and I think it was like in the morning you found out she's in the hospital. I'm like, well, there you go. Um, also, you didn't get into it. Eh? I'm impartial. Do I okay. do I like? Am I anti monarchy? No. No, not at all. Um, am I like super pro monarchy? No, not at all. Just they're there. It's like the Pope for me. Like, You're Switzerland. You yeah. Just... just, hey, you know what? Charles is the king. Great. That guy seems like cool guy. I don't know. His wife is a handsome woman. Um, Very handsome. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what, Camilla, you can tell she's a good time. Yeah. You can tell she's got a great, per- like there's a reason he's with her because she looks like she would be a cool chick to hang out Yeah. And the kids. And I must say, this is taboo to say, I don't think Diana was a cool chick to have. She was beautiful, Mm. graceful, you know, but I do think that she might have been a little bit boring, perhaps. Maybe not so fun to hang out with. I I suspected it was him that was a little boring. Or like. Oh, for for sure. He was. Every. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely bored, which is why you need someone like a Camilla there to kind of liven things up. Yeah. And then with the the two princes and, and all that, I just. The one ginger one that married Meghan Markle, moved to America, Harry. Yeah, troublemaker. Sure. All right. And then now everyone hates Meghan Markle. Couldn't care less. Uh, yeah. That's about it. That's, okay. That's my, that's my stance on the Queen. But, uh, you know, it seems like you had a little bit more. What, what, what would have, what made you feel that way? I really don't know. Hmm. I really don't know. Uh, I kind of, I'm the type of person who's just sort of observing everything all the time yeah. in the world. Uh, and she's been a significant figure for a long time. And it was just one of those things where no matter what was going on in the world, you knew that the queen was going to come out there and just steady. She's not going to freak out. Just she had whatever her role was as a figurehead. She played it perfectly. Yeah. You know, Yeah. I, I even keeled, even keeled, keeping the traditions alive. You don't got to worry about the queen doing something weird. You know, and also just I think there needs to be sort of like a person in the world who just shows you what it means to engage in civil discourse and just civil activities and and, and to have an example of a level of manners and professionalism at all times. Yeah. You know, that whole keep calm, carry on thing. There's something about it which I do respect. Um I don't think they're worth the money they're getting paid. I will say that much, but uh, th- there is value there that I feel like I, the Queen did contribute something to my life, and I do and I do feel a loss for her. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, so what are we? All right. So the Queen, the movie. Um, first of all, is directed by Stephen Frears. Yeah, dude directed Philomena. I think that was kind of the other movie that I know that he directed, and then he's just kind of done a bunch of other period pieces. It seems. Uh, he was. I think he made his he made his bones directing uh, Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, that was and fun. then from yeah, and then from there he and then he went to America and directed The Grifters okay. for Miramax, which was considered to be like an indie darling. John uh, John Cusack doing a bit of a, a jerk turn in that movie, which he was not known for at the time. Yeah, I'm not a, if you know how those there are those actors and like in the world that you just don't like. Oh, John Cusack John is that Cusack. guy for you? John and Joan, both of them. Not, oh, not really? You yeah. got a beef with the whole family? Not a fan. Not, I did not see that coming out. I didn't know anyone had a beef with John or Joan. And you know both. what? I, both of them, great. Great actors. I have no problem with their performances. No, you, just, do, have a, you do have a problem. Though. No, do. I just have a problem with their faces. It's different. Okay. Yeah, very punchable faces. I always thought that John Cusack looked like a cartoon of a regular guy yeah <laughs> like he didn't he didn't look like a normal he looked like he was some kind of glitch in the matrix like a like a like a video game character in real life of just like a average looking guy yeah yeah that's i mean he's a caricature of himself maybe um yeah 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 mind i always liked him though i always liked him in those 80s movies 
you know, seemed very relatable. I could definitely use him as an avatar for myself. I think everyone could, yeah. basically, in he every is, movie. He is an everyman. Um, yeah. Uh, but he just, it's a really stupid face. Not a fan. Not a fan. First hot take coming out right in the... Right, very right scorching hot take on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, coming straight out of the gate, uh, Stephen Fre- And also, I wanted to mention Stephen Frears actually did a couple of pretty good movies. Uh, High Fidelity. Yeah. I'm a big fan High of that Fidel- movie. That John Cusack. High Fidelity came out in 2000, which actually predated and predicted the rise of hipsters. Yeah. You show me a movie that was before that that predicted hipsters. I'll wait. Was, I don't think there was. Was Jack Black. That was, was, that, was that yep. Yeah, him, Jack Black. him and Q. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yep. So cute. Snobby, record guys, vinyl, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Kind of predicted hipsters for sure because the vinyl and the, I don't, the, the glasses and the beard, uh, they weren't really. Also, Dirty Pretty Things. Uh, Got to shout that one out. Yeah. And he re- most recently in 2022 did The Lost King, which I have not seen. Neither have but I. Uh, I thought it's significant because, you know, he made the queen. I made The Lost King. Maybe it's a thing of his. He's going to be do a prince, princess, perhaps. I don't know. So would you say he does, you know, this piece is uh, the queen is very kind of character driven. Would you agree that most of them like High Fidelity had kind of a character driven story? What are, what are your take on how he kind of tells stories? I do think that he is a character guy. I don't think any of his movies are really about the plot or about any kind of allegory for anything political or anything like that. I do think he's very much interested in very, very specific people in a very, very specific time, which this movie actually is. It's called The Queen, Mm -hmm. but I mean, The Queen, it only takes, it it only uses the parts of the Queen's life around the death of Diana. Yeah. Spoilers ahead, by the way, everyone who's watched this yeah. film. Um, Just FYI, Princess Diana dies. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, yeah, she does. But it's also, it's it's interesting because it's around the death of Princess Diana, but it's also around the time that, I mean, the big kind of opening thing is Tony Blair. Yes. In the Labour Party. And, you know, Britain turning from this kind of staunch conservative country into like the new Britain. Right, what's going on now. And then you see a lot of what happened throughout this film, the big kind of counter reaction, like, you know, in politics, there's always pendulum swinging this way, that, you know, little left, little right, maybe too left, a little too right. Um, Then you see kind of what comes out of Blair is this kind of Boris Johnson, whatever's going on now, right? (laughs) So pendulum swinging back the other way. So it's interesting. UK politics are a different beast, I know very little about um but uh, i do love the debates I've, I've watched a couple of clips of uk politics and how they they kind of attack each other yeah in a very british way yeah which there's something about it which i do enjoy the pomp and circumstance and and also british insults oh i think are hilarious when they're absolutely hilarious when boris johnson was the mayor of london uh and the city council he was they did something they overrode him on something i don't um, but he, he turned and he called them all great supine invertebrate jellies. Like, and, and just in that, in that Boris Johnson, like deep, like weird with his crazy hair. Like he's just, Oh man. That dude was fascinating. Still. He looks, he looks like he, every time you see that guy, he looks like he just walked home from the bar at 7 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. single time. I think it's intentional. I think it's part of like a whole kind of persona 100% it is. he's putting forward. Yep. And it's, it's it, a lot of his kind of thing was showmanship like when he was coming in for the olympics in that stupid harness and then he got stuck and he was just hanging there with the harness like pulling his crotch out like it was just brutal he 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 is sort of like half mascot half political leader yeah he's a really interesting dude um which i'm all for i want more of those guys like in our country um uh what's his name in toronto the mayor oh nick uh john tory no, 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 no. Uh, Previous to him. Yeah. Oh, the Rob, mayor of Toronto. Rob Ford. Rob Ford. Yeah. Rob Ford. Again, yeah. half mascot, half politician. Trump is like that, basically. 100% cocaine. But yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, Doug Doug is kind of taking up that mantle. The premier is taking up that mantle of, like, kind of the big, bombastic caricature person. Yeah. Big. They're, they're, sort of ha- they're sort of half playing the role. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's almost I, I like do, I do enjoy that. They're acting as politicians as opposed to actually being like, like Diamond Joe Biden. He is like he's a politician. He's not acting. This is that's what 
he has done for his whole life. Um, whereas guys like Trump and, and Doug Ford and Rob Ford and, and, and Bojo um, all kind of had this persona. It's funny because they're all kind of that populist conservative kind of guy. I don't know about the Ford so much, but um, so interesting, like very kind of interesting parallels that you can draw between all different leaders of countries and mayors. And whatnot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I did like, so the movie basically is a, it's a kind of a push and pull between Tony Blair, yeah. who represents, I guess, the working class of Britain, their elected official. That's where he came from. He's a working class guy, yeah. more or less. And the queen who represents the tradition and the upper class of Britain. And the weird thing about the movie is that the queen feel is in her whole life. She has been about maintaining tradition. Yeah. Just doing the right thing. This is her job. She knows what to do. She maintains a tradition. The people respect her for it. And Tony Blair is the sort of the modern president who represents the people. And Britain, by the way, there's no one more racist against their own than in Britain. Like white on white racism in Britain is unreal. The the class system they have there, it's still going to this day. Yeah. Like if you're from like if you're from a working class town, you have a working class accent, you're you're looked down. Yeah, and you're not allowed to change your accent because your friends will make fun of you for it. And you can't get into the upper levels of your career unless you change your accent too. It's very, very important. Yeah, unless you're on uh, you know, you're a soccer player, footballer or whatever, then you can do whatever you want. But I, I had it's interesting you bring it up that way that it's the Queen versus uh, Tony Blair, which I think it was, in my opinion, um, and you know I don't think you're wrong. I think that was definitely part of it. But there was there was Tony Blair, there was the Queen, and then there was uh, James Cromwell's character, Philip Mountbatten, the her husband, and and then the Queen Mum or that old lady. I forget who she was. I don't know the. I forget the actress's name. Um, you're the movie guy. <laughs> um, and those two kind of were always on the side of like stiff upper lip tradition. We don't do that. The flag has not been raised on Buckingham Palace. It's only raised if the queen is there and we do not put it to half mast, blah, 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 blah. Um, the queen kind of was this in the in between. Like she, I saw her as like the, the slider going to like, do we go to New Britain or do we stay old britain like she was kind of being played between the two which is ironic because she's actually the queen she's the one in charge right yes so she yes sorry oh so she's just being there's a little bit of manipulation from the people around her like mumbatton uh charles even charles trying to be the modern prince like always siding with blair a little bit and him and blair having the kind of backdoor conversations there or, or you know through the other channels um which was uh, actually what charles did a lot of the time has done a, a few times in his career as the Prince of Wales is intervene in politics and, and the British people don't like that. They like to see the monarchy fairly separate from you know the, the branches of government. So I kind of saw it as the, the Queen being a central piece and then at her getting pulled in every which direction and then finally going in the you know then finally her and Tony Blair having that kind of moment of understanding at the end where she still kind of maintained the tradition and he still had to bow and she said let's go for a walk kind of thing so and then yeah and she did kind of her instinct was to you know not lower the flag because that's not what the flag is for no. that this it's a for a specific thing and you're not supposed to you know she diana was not a part of the royal family anymore so this proper ceremony was not supposed to apply to her she was just trying to follow the rules which she has done in her entire life but tony blair was trying to tell her listen the people want this this is an exception to your rules so you and he was exasperated by that she was exasperated by that as well and they needed an interme- intermediary to kind of like say listen we need you need to do something here mm-hmm. to acknowledge this death mm-hmm. because the people demand it yeah yeah and and i think tony tony blair's little kind of tirade at the end where he says we everyone's everyone's kind of shitting on the queen and he says you know what like he kind of comes to this realization and it, to me it felt a little forced but like it was kind of like a story progression thing as opposed to like an actual revelation he had but he you know he says she's she didn't want to do this job you know she was forced into this job which is true like she's just born into you know all of a sudden you're the guiding light for a nation and you were just you know it's it's like the the antithesis of being born completely poor and like just like 
you know, been born to like a homeless family or something. Like you didn't, you did nothing to deserve that. She did nothing to deserve her life, but there she is thrown into it and she has to like step up and take that role. And Tony Blair's speech there was really kind of like, really drove that home. And his wife, uh, I bring her up because she's been in a lot. Sure. Uh, what's her, Helen McCrory. She was in Harry. Helen McCrory. Yeah, she had a bit role in Harry Potter. Uh, she was that. You find me a British person who has not been in Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, she was Peaky Blinders. She was in Peaky Blinders. Ooh, um, she's okay. been in a lot. She was kind of like a... Uh, she's British Shakespeare, you know, all that stuff. So she's... she's Just shout out to her. She's actually a very, very good actor. She knows hey, listen, shout out to she's all British-trained actors. They're all very good, as far as I can tell. Which is an interesting segue to James Cromwell. Cromwell. Philip Mountbatten. Okay. He's American. Yes. Yeah. He's been in everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That guy's, he's the guy they get when they can't get, like, you know, that other old guy. You know, like, who <laughs> you name it, that other old white guy. They bring in yeah, Cromwell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cromwell is an institution, though. Shout out to Cromwell. Yeah. Oh, God love that there's guy. a hierarchy of these guys, like John Lithgow, Cromwell. Yeah. Oh, Lithgow for yeah, sure. Lithgow's yeah. in that in that mix. Yeah. Uh, you know, just when you need like an old white guy to kind of just support, he's a good supporting guy. He's a good character actor. Um, yeah, steady, steady, steady. Dude. Yeah, it's a steady hand. I suspect guys like that who are kind of—they're not necessarily A-list, but they're kind of hover between B and C list. Yeah. Who just are work all the time. I, you, they must be good guys. Otherwise, no one would work with them. Yeah. Oh yeah. They wouldn't be in all those things, yeah. right? Yeah. For sure. Uh, pro- yeah. Probably nicest dude, hangs out in his trailer, you know, chilling with everyone. I need to get my hands on these guys. This podcast has to blow up so I can get a James Cromwell on here and just like milk that dude for stories for yeah. hours. I, I, those dudes, I guarantee you, they cannot wait to tell some stories. Yeah, we can name that episode "Milking James Cromwell." Yes, yeah. we can. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh do you have any thoughts on the movie otherwise or should we just get into the food uh, no i mean I, initially look it was a, it was a slog for me because as i said before completely impartial to uh the royal family whatsoever but kind of as you d- got deeper into it and you kind of the characters developed really nice film i mean uh helen mirren great performance she's you know solid as the queen uh, and that's a, that's an interesting role to play. It's got to be. And then, you know, if you watch The Crown or whatever that show was and all the different people that came in to play the Queen doing their different versions of it, um, this was just another take, Helen Mirren's take. And Helen Mirren is like, you know, the top. She's the best, right? So, yeah, that's, pro. that's pretty Helen much Mirren. Pretty she's much it. She's a goddamn pro. Yeah, she's an absolute pro. So let's let's get into the food. Not too much food in this, but little hints, little little dabbles, a couple mentions, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So let's just get in. So, okay, first of all, first appearance of food, minute 19. Yeah. Very important scene. Tony Blair watching the official statement of Diana's death while him and his whole family eat breakfast. A couple things I noted on the table, cornflakes. Yep. Specifically the cereal cornflakes. You got jam, you got orange juice, and Tony Blair is wearing a soccer jersey with his name on the back. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. So before we get into the food, do you think Tony Blair does that? And if he does, is that a red flag? Uh, I mean, wearing your own name on a jersey. I mean, as the leader of a free nation, I don't know, if did you he, see that dude wearing his? Did he ever wearing a jersey with his own name on the back? Did he play? I don't know. If he played, then why not? No, I believe that was actually a pro soccer team in England. The one he follows. Okay. All right. Yeah. Probably a red. Flag. Don't care. Okay. Probably a red card. Definitely a yellow card for sure. Okay, Fine. fair enough, fair enough. But that that breakfast scene is intercut with the Queen's high table breakfast. Yeah, and the two different, uh, which is prepared by servants and everything. I didn't really see what was going on. They didn't they didn't bring out any food, but the t- there was tea, of course. Yeah. Um, but I do believe the two scenes, specifically, we start this. The movie gets started with this scene. The action gets rolling with this scene. It's breakfast, and it's contrast, and I think very effectively, we immediately see the contrast between the two characters yeah. between. The old world and the new world simply by them eating breakfast we sh- we see how they eat breakfast yeah yeah and also just the, the this was purely like as you're saying to set up the two characters set up what they're all about um she's super high class super traditional the tea the you know all that crap and then he is the working class eating with his family you know that 
typical breakfast in the morning before work kind of thing. I don't know if your family ever did that. Mine sure didn't. Um, oh, yeah, we did. We were more cold cereal than out the door to school. English breakfast. Oh. There's, a, there's, there's quite a bit to talk about there. Yeah. There's a traditional English breakfast. The full English. The full English. Yeah. Do you know what the full English is? Yeah. Yeah, in theory. Well, I know there's the... there's the. If you tell me. I, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll rattle off some things. You tell me where it fits, because I don't. Maybe I don't know where which. I'm not really sure. Fit. I just. I just. I didn't research it, uh, but uh, I just. I just. Uh, I've seen. A full, I've seen uh, it on menus before. Yeah, full English to me is an is eggs. Usually, I see them sunny side over easy. However, you want your eggs scrambled. How do you do them? Do I'm a scrambled like? man. Always been okay. a scrambled man. I. Okay. Uh, you know, I think I, I, we've probably already talked about this, but. Uh, a scramble to me is if you're going to a breakfast restaurant, and it's the measure. If they do a good scramble, then it's, you know. And in America and the UK, scramble's very different, right? The America, they just put it on a grid, a lot of heat. It's kind of dry usually, and throw ketchup and hot sauce on it, and you're done. The British, it's more kind of fluffy. I don't know if you've ever seen Gordon Ramsay. Shout out Gordon Ramsay. We did talk yeah. about this, yeah, yeah. But is that is that how it's traditionally done in? Yeah, the UK? the UK prefers a little bit underdone, a little bit more. I like the UK. Yeah, I prefer the UK scramble myself, unless I'm adding in, uh, you know, like sometimes I'll do a scramble for myself and the missus, and we'll do like throw in some vegetables, a little little sausage, a little, uh, you know, just a big hearty. That's the great scramble. thing about scrambled, man. You can just throw things in there. It's versatile. It's just tremendous yeah but you know or the british like to do in like a full english poached eggs are big boiled eggs are big um which you get a little healthier a little pure protein but then so full english to me from what i know is is, is baked beans rashers of bacon or sausage or both if you're you said rashers they call it rashers well that's just a, a strip of bacon um not canadian bacon you know regular bacon so you got your baked beans sometimes they'll do like a blood pudding or a blood sausage kind of thing there's that and then so you got the bacon the eggs the baked beans are key you gotta have the baked beans i feel like i miss oh the tomato the roasted tomato yes i'm reading right here it says tomatoes yeah Yeah. oh sausage i believe uh called bangers bangers yep that can also be a substitute for the for the the bacon, bacon which over here as well yeah and the bacon, I always find in an English breakfast, the bacon is usually rather undercooked. Yeah. You like that stiff as a board? Just I like, like it. I like it a little, you know, I'd say a little al dente on my bacon, a little medium rare. Okay. But right, um, right. not like burnt to crisp, but not like just where it's like, I don't know, this doesn't feel, I mean, all bacon's cooked, I'm sure, but uh, where it's just like the fat's a little grisly and chewy and stuff like that. I'll tell you what I do love about an English breakfast. Yeah. They're into the marmalade over there. Oh, yeah. They F with the marmalade a lot over there, which I think I need to do more of. I've been through periods of my life where I would do real breakfast for a long time. I'll go like eggs, toast of some kind, and then water or like some kind of juice. I've been through those periods, and I did go through a period when I didn't do jam. I did marmalade. And those are some of the happiest breakfasts of my life. Really? I must say. Tremendous. Tremendous. Yeah, you get little orange rinds in there and stuff. Very underrated marmalade. I don't even hear people talking about it over here. Or if you go to breakfast places, rarely is it ever, I guess, offered or even ordered from what I can see. Usually jam and then you'll get like... Now, the question is, is marmalade purely orange? No, no. I think it can be any kind of citrus fruit. I think you can make any fruit into a marmalade. Okay. I don't know the the specifics of it, but the orange specifically with the rinds in there, Mm. I appreciate it. Okay, because I've had like... A peach jam or jelly or something like that. Like you know, you get the little tubs at the breakfast place, and sometimes there's love the little tubs. Oh yeah, love them. Don't even get me started. You get the yeah. strawberry, the raspberry, and sometimes they'll throw like a peach or something at you, or a marmalade, and you're like, all right, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with this. I'll you know mix it up. You do one toast strawberry, one toast marmalade, one you know, play around yeah. with it, and have a good time. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, I'm all about that with the with the toast. You got to have the jam. Got to have but salted butter melted into the toast then jam so you get that yes. salty savory 100%. with the sweet during the scene where the tony where tony blair is eating breakfast he calls the queen the queen is about to eat breakfast and uh, she says to the servant that she'll take the phone call in the study mm-hmm. and when she said that i just realized in my life i want to do that one day just take the call somewhere else i, I want to be ready to have breakfast people are making it i get a phone call and i tell my my people I'll take it in the study. Nice. I feel like that is a measure of you've really accomplished something if you can do that. Unfortunately, in this day and age, you're just going to get it on your cell phone and then you could take the call wherever the hell you want. Really. 
it's tough. It's going to be tough. You're right. With the, with the invention of cell phones, it will be difficult. I think I can still pull it off, though. All right. Fair enough. Did you notice that she always kind of takes the call in a different room? Like Yeah, I think it's part of the whole uh, ser- like uh, Palm. process yeah. of what she does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This definitely was a power move. Like every, I'll take it in the, the servant's kitchen. Yeah, well, we'll get to that in a second yeah. because I, I think that's a thing where you don't want your help listening. To, I feel I feel like I'm such a jerk saying things like the help and mm. things like that. But yeah. but I think that's part of what it means to be royal. Is like you take these important phone calls by yourself. Either you go in another room, which is the first option. If you can't, everyone gets yeah, out. You kick everyone out. Yeah, politely. Yeah. God bless them. You know. All right. So that was the first scene of uh, of food in the movie. I think it was a pretty effective scene. I think it really set yeah. the table. Oh, hey, set the table. First, first zinger of the day, right? All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. At some point, we got to get a sound effect going where it's like you know, boom, or something like that, just to really. Uh, yeah. Oh, we got to do. Something when we start, that, when we start but... overproducing the podcast, we'll have soundboards where we can do different sound effects. It'll be great. Certainly, wow. certainly. Now, I think the most interesting food scene of the movie is at minute 44 with the full-on outdoor picnic. Okay. With, what, what are your thoughts about that? The only men- the only food they mention is the lamb stew. Right. But, I mean, they've got multiple picnic baskets. They're dre- I think they actually dress for the occasion. I think they're doing some kind of fox hunt or something. Yeah, the British are all about that, especially, like, the wealthy British. Like, they'll strap on, like, a barber jacket and the, the wellies. The tweed. Yeah, the, tw- the whole tweed. fall tweed. Yeah. Um, like elbow patches, shoulder patches. For the gun? Yeah, the gun, the gun, the gun pack. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then they'll pack a picnic and they'll have the hounds around and the hounds will go running. And Yeah, there's like 50 hounds yeah. for one poor fox. Yeah, it's a little... man. When the British hunt, it feels very like not in the animal's favor. I don't even think it's about the hunting. I think it's just about, listen, we're going to go out there. We're going to drink. We're going to get these dogs. We're going to get on these horses. And, you know, it's more about just like, I think, it's sort of like a weird party. Yeah. It's like a weird day long on a horseback. You know what I mean? Like the pageantry of it all. Right. Like they, And then they yeah. and then they sit down to a nice, you know, refreshing lamb stew. Um, yep. And or Which can be eaten hot or cold, uh, according to the queen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, probably dipping some good bread in that. Um, we can stop here for a second because today's recipe from the show we're, which will be down in the comment section below or down in the uh, caption below will be uh, my take on lamb stew bourguignon please remember to do use uh, pinot noir i put the recipe down there uh, but just a take on lamb stew that you can do at home very easy to cook either slow cooker dutch oven whatever you got um, uh, you'll see the recommendations down there I did it Bourguignon style as a shout out to another famous British person, Julia Stiles, or Julia Childs. Not Julia Stiles. She was. That was very Freudian. Very very Freudian. (laughs) Julia Childs, who, you know, her big thing was beef Bourguignon. We've substituted the beef for lamb. Uh, It's it's my personal recipe, um, an adaptation of Julia Childs' recipe. But um, yeah, pretty much other than that, something just dinged on my computer. That's all right. We'll edit that out. All right. Um, well, thank you so much for that, Jer. Uh, I've never had a lamb stew, but I will. I will commit to making that once I get that recipe. Yeah, and every episode, with there's you know there will be some point where we pop up, and I'll just say there's a recipe down below for this or our version of this, and I'll explain it. Um, I probably won't go through the recipe because I'm not going to cook it here today. But um, you can see that recipe pretty easy to make. Uh, it's a little labor intensive on the stew, but uh, some of them will be easier. Some of them will be harder. Will we appreciate all of them, Jeremy? Great, great. Let's keep going. Now, this is, I just realized this now as we were talking about the outdoor picnic. I mentioned before how I aspire to be interrupted during breakfast being made by my people and I have to go. I'm just thinking now I would love to be in a situation where I'm doing an outdoor picnic the way they were doing. I think, I think I'm getting kind of like caught up in why the Brits love the Royals so mm-hmm. much. There's this aspirational quality to them. Which I'm kind of getting caught up on right now. I didn't realize it was happening until I started looking at my notes right now. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, it's... It, like, when was the last time you've been to any kind of picnic in all, at all and of that of that level? A multiple basket pr- picnic is what I'm talking and about. And they've got those high-end wicker baskets, too. These aren't, yeah. these aren't like your, you know, everyday baskets. These are no. serious, purpose-built picnic baskets. 
that. Yes. Um, pretty impressive. I get it. I get it. It's easy to get swept up in that. As I said, the pageantry of it all is, mm-hmm. is interesting. And it kind of everything they do is at such a high level of, uh, you know, They take service. it seriously, you know? Your whole life. I, I, I guarantee you when they were planning out that picnic, like it was a real thing. It was a serious thing. We got to make sure we do this right. Yeah, there were team. There's a team. There's probably teams of people involved. Uh, kind of picnic crew coordinator, you know. It's all. And I guarantee you, the gossip said at those picnics where you're out in the woods and no one's around, yeah, must be absolutely just like the greatest, most high-end, gossipy stuff you've ever heard in your life. Yeah. Also, I mean the the. They, they roll up. I, I, I forget the pic, in the picnics. They roll up in the Land Rovers and then they set up for the hunt and whatnot. Yeah. I like it how the Queen has this kind of motorcade of really posh British cars too. Like the, you know, the, the Land Rovers and the Range Rovers and all that stuff. It's kind of a, it's just really, really elitist. I, I'm buying into the elitist. You're loving it. All right. I really am. Fair really enough. Am. Well, maybe, you know, all right. maybe you can marry it and figure that out. I'll figure something out. Yeah. I'll definitely figure something out. All right, minute 47, Charles drinks tea. That's my only note. Now, tea is important. Seems like a small note. Seems like a small note, but being, uh, you know, a, an Indian dude. Yeah. Tea and Indians and Brits, very important thing yeah. in history. The Brits basically took over India for tea. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you look back at history and you think about like, you know, well, why do why do these guys attack those guys? Oh, for spices. And you're like, "What?" Like it's just, it boggles your mind sometimes. Like, why do they invade it? Well, it's mostly for tea. Like, what the what the hell? Yeah, I mean, look, tea became a, before, you know, before the advent of modern day like refrigeration, spices made a lot of sense. You got to, you know, you had to cure stuff and you had to put flavor into it and and all that stuff. And spices were seen as medicinal. Um, tea had a lot of similar qualities, and I think um, it, you know, England or uh, uh, India. Had a whole bunch of stuff, and I, you know, you could probably speak more intelligently about that than I. Um, Hong Kong, you know, the British had a colony there. Uh, opium, they got, uh, they got a lot opium of opium coming the out Orient. there. Yeah, but you know, the, the term "all the tea in China," right? That comes from it's true. That comes from colonialism. That comes from global trade. Uh, the U.S., the Boston Tea Party. Again, very, very yeah. important. Boom. There Not you that go. the U.S. were producing tea; they were probably importing tea through the. You know the the slave trade and all that, but but it was important enough to go to war over, yeah. To, you know, to 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 actually smack Britain in the face by dumping this tea overboard. Yeah. So I go- how do you like that, Britain? How, how, take this with your tea. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Which they probably were just like, all right, we'll get we'll get more tea from India, um, which <laughs> which leads me to uh, the Queen and and her tea of choice. Did you did you happen to Google this? There's three. I did not. Did you Google? Yeah. It? So I found I found a few. I, I guarantee you, one is English breakfast it has to be. No, no, no. There's it's not. Three. Okay. You're close. English breakfast is such a classic tea, right? Like that's like. The, and it's got England in the yeah. name. English breakfast. Yeah. So she likes for the the more English kind of traditional English tea she goes for is the Earl Grey. From what I respect, what I read, respect to the Earl Grey. Solid. That's probably her uncle. Solid to the Earl of Grey. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. And then she did. Uh, there are two teas that I saw, and maybe you might know more about them than I, uh, which is probably a microaggression even to say. But uh, Assam tea, Assam tea, which is from India, and uh, it sounds like you're about to say Ashanti. Ashanti, yeah, she's a big fan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Darjeeling tea or Dar, yeah. Darjeeling, that yeah. is the Indian tea. Yeah, that's why they they went over here and you know enslaved my people basically. So it's those sweet, sweet th- those three tea. teas came up in my search of the Queen's favorite teas, but apparently the most the one she drank the most was the Earl Grey. But I could be wrong, and you know, leave comments calling me an idiot if uh, if sure. I am, and. Uh, and tell us if you know something more than we do about uh, which teas people like. You know, well, the, what is the, your? Do you the, have a? Sorry. Do you have a relationship with tea, or are you a coffee guy? Uh, I'm not. A, I'm neither. Um, I I'll drink coffee in the morning. You have to drink caffeine to make it in this world, here. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> I have one. I have one coffee in the morning. One cup of coffee in the morning. Okay. All right. So you're a coffee. If guy. I'm going to have a tea, because I did live in Asia, so I lived in Taiwan, and Taiwan does oolong tea. And I like a nice cold oolong tea, very low sugar. I, I find it very refreshing. But like an iced oolong, uh, in Chinese they say bantan, very low sugar. And I like uh, the way that, I like to just, I would love to say I want some oolong tea. I just like the way it sounds. Oolong, 
oolong, uh, how do we say tea? And uh, I forget my, my, my Chinese is going. Um, you do it the right way, the way you say it. In yeah, they, you got to get, you know, uh, oolong, cha, 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 maybe, I think. Yeah. Is it cha? Because in, in India it's cha, cha as well. Yeah. Maybe cha, yeah. oolong cha. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Chinese people, please weigh in down below. <laughs> Call me an idiot and correct me if I'm wrong. Oolong cha. Yeah, I think is what it is. But that's yeah. interesting because in India, in the north, it's called for, 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 um, Punjabi, so we call it cha. Yeah. But everyone else calls it chai. Right. Which is what kind of Starbucks kind of brought that yeah, over yeah, yeah. is chai. And then the but it's similar, you know. The idiots who say chai tea, which is redundant. Oof, that that will just like make your eye twitch if you're a brown person when someone <laughs> says that. Oof, that's a rough one. I, now I personally, I've only drank drink. Drink, drinking, drunken. I've only drunken, uh, drunken tea <laughs> <laughs> in my life. I enjoy it. I like it a lot. Uh, I, I I drink it the British style with with the tea bag in the in the mug, and you pour the water. I drink it Indian style, the, the cha, mm -hmm. which uh, is also delicious too. It takes a little bit longer, yeah, but uh, it is really delicious. And you can um, you can make can you make uh, chai tea or whatever it's called cha. Yeah, I made a video on oh, YouTube right. about it. I did. First, you know what? Uh, I did see that. Hey, Schmindian, Schmindian. Uh, YouTube channel, Schmind by Check the way. it out. It's, yeah, it's a minute long short. Uh, if you don't watch it, then, uh, you know, you are a, um, y you're in favor of the occupation of India and you don't like brown people if you don't watch that video. So there so, you go. Those are, the, those are the people that still call it Pompeii. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Screw you guys. That's yeah, Mumbai. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mumbai, you racist. Yeah, no, no. no I mean, that's yeah, yeah. The and then from from Cha, it's like there's a a milk way, and then there's like the black way or something, or the 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 just that's kind of the tea, just that's a, a tea without the milk. Is that is that? What uh, I mean? No, we, we we go we go milk always. We, we, with we the put milk. the milk in the pot and, and we boil. we bring the milk to a boil. Once it starts, looks like, it looks like it's gonna overflow the pot. Then we take it off the heat pour that in your cup strain out all of the goodies mm -hmm. and you got yourself a delicious afternoon tea by the way we should discuss this in that you know how hobbits have like different names for meals yeah like breakfast second z's third z's second know, or whatever it was, yeah, yeah all those things mm -hmm. so the brits uh, apparently they have different names for their meals in britain and a lot of people call dinner tea tea in britain yeah. Okay. In certain places, All right. but then in other places, tea is an afternoon thing. Yeah, it's the cucumber sandwiches and the, you know. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sometimes champagne. Even I've had champagne with tea. Look at you, bougie. Yeah. Um, my uh, my, yeah. my uh, wife and I, we like to go. We I, we did a high tea in London. I've done a high tea at the uh, Plaza Hotel in New York, Windsor, hey. Windsor Arms in Toronto, like that. The best high teas. I've you know I've been there, and they're you know, they're uh, pretty good. They're good. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, What's the food like at high tea? You, I, you know, it's usually the little sandwiches, the fancy little pastries. That's it comes on like a tower, cucumber sandwiches. Uh, now, do you do you do you drink the tea or eat the sandwiches with your pinky out? Uh, probably. Yeah, probably. You do. Yeah, All yeah. right. Because they're that size. They're like I delicate think, and stuff. Yeah, it's like. it's like espresso. You can't have an espresso without throwing that pinky out. You fit. Yeah. Like, and I, I I like espresso because it makes me feel like I'm a big giant. Or it makes me feel like I'm in The Sopranos, sitting out in front of Satriales with my espresso. So, just I, yeah, I, I I do love how food really does change your perspective on yourself as you're eating it, as you just mentioned with the espresso. You know? Absolutely. So, is it any experiences you have with food, it kind of just makes you like it puts you in a different mindset, or, or even um, even alcohol. Like I don't I don't think you drink, but um, certain drinks, like if you have a martini, you know, you know James Bond doing that or if you have a whiskey you, sometimes if i have a like a bourbon and i'm having it straight i feel like a cowboy you know how every time cowboy movies they come in and they throw just some arbitrary amount of coins on the table and then they get a like a whiskey in a cup and they just drink that and it really cuts the dust off the trail like there's that visceral feeling you get um and and to be honest with you when you drink whiskey and you never end up doing it like them because you're always just like oh yeah that that sucks. Like that's not refreshing at all. It's like having a fettuccine Alfredo on the beach. Like just really not refreshing. Seems like a good idea. Then you try it, and uh, things go bad. No bueno. All right, let's let's get back. Let's veer back on topic. Okay, <laughs> next food. 
next food uh, is actually, it, it goes from Charles at minute 47 drinking tea to Tony Blair eating something out of a bowl. Don't know what that is. However, I don't like it when people eat on the phone. What, what are your thoughts about that? Like talking and eating on the phone? Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I used to when I, when I actually spoke on the phone to people. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm not a fan, but I do it sometimes. Like if I have chips, like I'm a big chips guy. Chips yeah. on the phone? Chips, are you insane? And chips for you British. That is the most disrespectful oh, food you yeah, can it's bold. I could even throw something down right now. Watch oh, this. Watch this, God. Paul. We're doing it. Shout out Ruffles <laughs> old dress. Let's do it. I had my chips just sitting. I had my chips before. Can you even see? That? I had my chips before the podcast. I'm like a goddamn gentleman. Right into the mic too. Ugh. Oh yeah. Disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so they cut. So again, this is a scene where they intercut food between Tony Blair and the. Again, it's it's showing the contrast of their life. So yeah. at this scene, Tony Blair is trying to. Speak some sense into the queen by saying, trying to convince her, you know, fly the flag at half mast, do something. The people want this, and the queen is in the middle of tea. Which I think, when you're at that level and your days are going by, from what I understand, like my parents are retired, and like little things like high tea mm. really mean a lot. No, it's a big day. event, right? It's a big event for you, yeah. especially the way they do it. And I must say, the way they did it, and she, when they called her, she actually had like a little pastry thing and they had a whole spread out by the way but they ha she had a little pastry thing in her hand and she had to put that thing yeah. down without eating it to talk to tony blair which i think contributed to the animosity on the phone call a little bit yeah can you imagine you're about to put this thing in your mouth which is delicious someone interrupts you with something you don't want to do in the first place yeah, and he, which yeah. you think is like why are you bothering me with this we're not supposed to fly it at half mass and he's eating know? a i think bowl. it added a little bit yeah. yeah he's eating a bowl of gruel while he's doing that like, it's like <laughs> yeah. what are you doing man <laughs> He's eating some goddamn spaghetti. I don't know what he's eating. We don't know what's in that bowl. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I was going to go with gruel. Or, like, maybe a nice porridge. British people like the porridge, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't even know what gruel is. I thought gruel was porridge. Yeah, I have but, no idea. Um, I've never been an orphan, so I don't know. Yeah, no, no, neither have I. But at the end of that scene, and there is some animosity to it, uh, Charles says to her, Bloody fool, now your tea has gone cold. So they're a little, they're a little pissed about this, you know. Like I don't know if you know about this, but like if you are drinking tea and you get called away to do something mm. and you return to your tea and it's cold, that's a kick in the nuts a little bit. Is there from a tea drinker over here? It does bother me. Is that, uh, you know? Is there a saying around that? Because there's also that Eminem song with Dido, where her lyric, tea? her lyric is, "My tea's gone cold. I'm wondering why I got out of bed at all." Like, or is that just, really? or is that just, is that an expression of depression? I don't mean, know, maybe kind? it's a metaphor for something. Cause I mean, this is the second time in my life it's coming up. So there's gotta be some coincidence, right? Well, I, I, well, we're from Toronto and we know what cold tea is, yeah. right? Cold tea is, yeah. for those that don't know, there's actually a rest, uh, a bar, a restaurant downtown, but cold tea basically was back in the day when, uh, bars would close down. You'd go to, uh, Chinatown. There's a street there on, on, uh, was it Spadina? Yeah. And you would order cold tea and they would just pour like a bunch of beer into a teapot and you'd drink that yep. or or uh, liquor of your choosing or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I always got beer when I was. Yeah, I think tea. it was beer. Um, yeah. But there, there, there's a bar in Kensington called Cold Tea. And I think they, they, they did. They, they, like, they the co-opted cold tea and made an entire bar, which I think kind of ruined it. Yeah, it brought it mainstream. But also... Sometimes like, hipsters ruin things, man. Yeah. I, mean, I think they ruin cold tea. Fair enough. Moving along. At uh, one hour and three minutes. This I found fascinating. The queen's husband, they're about to go to bed, and the queen is in bed, and the queen's husband says to her, move over cabbage. Yeah. Her nickname, his nickname for her is cabbage, a food. Is that, what do you think that means? Read something into that. Jeff. I'll try, I'll try my that best. Means. I wonder is that, if that's actually true. That's the first thing. I it has. How could they Philip, make that up? Philip Mountbatten called his wife cabbage. Um, all right, let's let's analyze cabbage. That's too specific to make up. It's too specific. Cabbage is a bitter uh, vegetable, like purple cabbage, wouldn't you say? Okay. Uh, so, uh, we don't know. We don't, it's, she just said cabbage. I'm thinking. By the way, cabbage, one of the all-time top ten of I guess UK foods. Yeah. Cabbage, potatoes. 
You know, it's one of those. It's an things Irish. Where, I guess it's an everyone Irish, eats. Irish and Scots, I think, as well. Like they do, like boiled cabbage is a big thing for them. Huge, um, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, cabbage, they, they they'll fry it with bacon and stuff. It's pretty good, actually. They do a lot with cabbage, yeah. for sure. But do you think? What do you think his nickname was? If her nickname was Philip Mountbatten's nickname, I don't know. Yeah, you think it was another food? You think it was like uh, Philly cakes? Philly cakes? No, I have no idea. Bang? You think it's bangers? Could be bangers. (laughs) Spotted dick? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) No idea. Um, Man, cabbage though. Cabbage. Wow. I mean, what what properties of a cabbage? Like it's versatile. It's 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 a it's, it's I bet hearty. there's a story to it. It's filling. I bet there's a story to it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. round, but I don't think she was that big of a bigger lady. No, no, she always kept her. You know, she was always in shape. Uh, God know. bless her. You never know. Everyone has you know personal nicknames, and maybe sometimes you'll you just never know. And it could be one of life's mysteries. Do you, do you have a nickname for your for your lovely wife? I do. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it on. You don't want to say okay. I'm not right, gonna sorry. say it on air. <laughs> But if, if, I tend to tell I, I tend to call my girlfriends bro. Bro, I don't know if that's they seem to like it, but whatever. It is it is food related, and maybe as we go on, uh, it'll it'll come to light. But uh, this this sorry I didn't mean to put you on the no spot no no there, it's, it, this is, you know maybe it'll be one of the the great mysteries of this of this podcast. Moving along right into one hundred and four, the Queen reading negative headlines while drinking tea again. Yeah. Now I do think that drinking tea while reading negative headlines is actually a soothing gesture on her part which as before being taken away from her tea a little bit agitated Mm -hmm. for the character the tea is calming her the tea is kind of you know yeah and were the the headlines this time with the headlines they were um people talking poorly about her right or were they getting better uh, no, they they were they were talking poorly okay, about her. They're still she was kind of getting concerned about talking yeah. shit about the queen. Okay, yep. Uh, and then moving on, I believe this is the last food episode of the Queen, the movie. Um, this is where she's in one of her country estates. Balmoral. She gets a call from the prime minister again. A lot of this is phone acting, by the way. We uh, it's just a lot, a lot of Tony yeah. Blair and her chatting on the phone. A lot of phone acting. Yeah. So she's back from some kind of a hunt because she's dressed like she's going to go riding a horse. Goes to the kitchen. There's a huge staff in there making things. Lunch, I presume. Or tea, I guess, what they call it over there. And again, instead of uh, taking it in the study, which apparently there is none, she dismisses the staff, takes a phone call in the kitchen um, by herself. Mm -hmm. Now, the fact that it's in an empty kitchen, Mm. do we read anything into that? Is Is this sort of like, now she's by herself in this place, now she can think clearly about what's going on yeah it's interesting because this is what this is when she starts coming around yeah it's interesting because um there's a couple of scenes here that and maybe this could be me really overthinking it but every time she takes a call it's in a like the first time it's in the study and then you know from time down to then now she's down in it with the people in the kind of the, the the servants the working class room so maybe there's some sort of this could be a complete overthink but Maybe there's some sort of representation of every time she has this call, it's kind of leading us down this path of she's starting to become a kind of a queen of the people. They always mention Diane, a princess, Lady Di, as the, the princess of the people, and that the queen and everyone else was kind of above highfalutin. But um, maybe it's her kind of transitioning from, oh, I'll take it into the study to I'll take it with the people. I mean, she still kicks everyone out. <laughs> no, I do like that though. I do like that because she's alone in a working place. Yeah. This is a place where people work. Yeah, you know. So her setting has now engulfed her in the working class. I think, mm-hmm. like like you said. And then there's another scene that I don't know if we can construe it with food, but I mean it will be food. Is when you know Mountbatten and the princes have been hunting that stag. She sees the stag and feels sorry yes. for it. She's crying in the middle of the field, and then the stag becomes. You know, um, the last scene with the stag—it's—it's it's venison now, uh, hanging from the thing. So uh, the stag, to me, if I, you know, if I'm going to put my overthinking hat on again, please do. Rep- please represents do. the British tradition, the monarchy. The, you know, they're chasing this ideal. They're always Mountbatten and the princes are chasing this ideal, um, and then finally a, a common person, a non-royal takes it away 
and kills mm. it. Right? Kills yes. that dream. And that's when she when she sees the stag, she's grieving for the like because she doesn't know what to do. She's, she cries a little bit when she sees yeah, it. Yeah, she's losing her grip on the monarchy. Right? She feels that. And she's losing her grip on the people. Right? And then a common person comes and just snatches that away from her family. Snatches, takes the control away, takes that kind of thing away. And you're left with this dead stag hanging in a thing. And that and that British, British guy who runs the, the hunting lodge or whatever it was, you know, he says, you know, God save you, ma'am, or something like that, or something along those lines. And, she, and he speaks very frank with her. And you notice there's no bowing. There's no crap like that. It's just... No, they seem to be have a long relationship. Yeah. And they're, they're comfortable with each other. Two people having a conversation. That's when she kind of becomes a queen of the people. Yeah, I do think you you got something there. The, because it definitely did symbolize something. The fact that that was the only moment in the entire film when she showed emotion. Mm-hmm. When she saw that step. She was by herself completely in the middle of... Again, by herself in the middle of a river on her own. The only thing she's... The only company she has is that step. Mm-hmm. That thing that she... Like you, like you mentioned before, is tradition in the monarchy. Yeah. She sees it, she looks at it, she cries a little bit. It, it, maybe it is because she knows, like you know, these guys are probably going to. She's not going to save it, right? And she tries to save no. it. She has a last ditch yeah. effort where she's like, "Go shoot, mother, motherfucker, get out of here!" And then, yeah. and then, uh, nope. Yeah, somebody else rocks up and shoots it in the head. I'm in here in Halifax, so every now and then I will see a deer. Okay. And a lot of times out of nowhere. The other day, I was literally in my house all day. The only time I left my house was to take the garbage out and to put it in the garbage can. I look up, boom, deer walks right past me Meh. through the backyard. And there is something about seeing wild animals that does something to you spiritually or psychologically or something. When you see them, it really affects you. Yeah. You, in fact, it affects me yeah. personally. Well, you freak out a little bit, like, you, you know, because they're unpredictable. You don't know what they're going to do. Um, also, you, it's, it's, a, it's a special occasion. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't see, yeah. you know, I don't see a fox every day. I don't see an elephant every day. I see raccoons and squirrels every day because I'm from Toronto. But. They're majestic animals, especially uh, deer, stags, things like that. I never feel scared when I'm around them. Uh, no, because, you know, I could take it. They're, they're, they're kind of pussies. Yeah, I could take it. Like, you know, you just make a sudden move and they're gone. Yeah. You know? right. um, pu- but they are they're majestic. I'll punch a deer in the face. I don't care. I. I bet you will. I, I punched two this week, man. Yeah. They were talking shit. They look like uh, they look like John Cusack to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are you looking at, Cusack? Yeah, what are you, what are you looking right at? In your dumb face. <laughs> well, we've come full circle there, which is nice. Nice. Yes, we nice, have. Yes, nice we wrap have. up to the story there, uh, John Cusack. Not a, yeah, not a I fan. think we've uh, yeah I think we've milked the queen. Yeah, we've milked the queen. We've milked for all the food content we can get out of the podcast. Yeah, we've milked uh, we've milked Mountbatten. We've milked every Prince Prince Philip. Yeah, so if you want to uh, if you want to download Jeremy's uh, very generous and very authentic uh, lamb stew, I believe uh, it's going to be in the comments below. You can uh, download the link from there. Make it yourself. Leave a comment. Uh, share it with your friends if you will. Pretend to be royal. Yeah. For one meal, for God's Put sense. it in a purpose-built basket, eat it in a field, um, and then go kill something. That's right. So this is episode one of the Food and Movies podcast, where we investigate the intersection between food and movies. This has been The Queen. Our next episode is going to be Pulp Fiction, which is possibly the greatest food movie ever made. Yeah. We'll get into it. Yeah. We will get into it. We are going to dig we'll, deep. Yes, we will. Have a good day, everyone.